Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre, I am Steve Dace. Coming up today, we're gonna we're gonna talk to a guest that uh, a lot of you have emailed us the last few years and said you got to get this guy on, and uh, you're right. And today is uh, the day we were able to make it work. John Cooper, the uh, lead singer of Skillet, will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He's got a new book out. We'll be uh, discussing that at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, since we're just taking requests today. Uh, uh, we only had one request for this, but that's all, it, that's all it took to persuade me. We had a lot of requests for getting John Cooper on the show over the last few years, but we did get one request asking me to reset the, the true story of St. Nicholas. We did this for Theology Thursday right before Christmas a few years ago, and it's one of my favorite stories, so I'm more than happy to reset it for you again, and, uh, and we will do that uh, coming up for Theology Thursday a little bit later on. He's not quite the jolly old Saint Nick that you've been sold. Not quite. More my speed, which is why I like the story. And then uh, my oldest daughter, Anastasia, will join us for three non-political questions. Also, make sure to check out our friends over at First Cup Coffee Company, recommended by Aaron, who uh, treats coffee like uh, the fifth food group, as do a lot of you. I'm not a coffee drinker, so not my thing, but Aaron highly recommends it. So have many of you that have tried it already. We've shared some of those endorsements on the show previously. There's a flavor for every freedom-loving American. And they also ship it within days of being roasted. In fact, the roast date is on each and every bag. So go to firstcup.com, use the code DACE and save an additional 10% on your order when you do that. Promo code DACE at firstcup.com to save 10%. And if you subscribe to get their coffee shipped to you every month, you take an additional 10% off for the life of the subscription as well. Firstcup.com, promo code DACE. And with that, let's get it rolling with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a potentially huge break for Donald Trump and J6ers. The federal judge overseeing former President Donald Trump's case involving the 2020 election has agreed to temporarily pause proceedings while Trump appeals a decision over whether he is entitled to broad immunity from criminal prosecution. In a brief order on Wednesday, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin largely granted Trump's request to halt the proceedings while he pursues his appeal. Chutkin said Trump's appeal to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia circuit means she must automatically stay further proceedings that would move the case towards trial. She also noted, though, if the case is returned to her, she would consider whether to retain or continue the dates of any still future deadlines and proceedings, including the trial scheduled for March 4th. Trump was charged with four counts in August, including conspiracy to defraud the United States. He pleaded not guilty to those charges and is, of course, denied wrongdoing. Before that news dropped yesterday, the Supreme Court announced they will hear a court fight involving the breadth of a federal obstruction law that has been used to prosecute hundreds of defendants for their alleged actions during J6, as well as former President Donald Trump. An eventual decision from the Supreme Court in the case known as Fisher v. U.S. could have far-reaching impact since the Justice Department has charged more than three 
300 people under the obstruction statute in cases related to January 6th. Two potentially huge breaks for both Donald Trump and J Sixers yesterday. For Donald Trump, perhaps torpedoing the trial date for his D.C. case until after the general election, if he's even the nominee. And for J Sixers, challenging the DOJ's broad use and abuse of a law putting many of them in prison. Moving on, this picture was snapped yesterday at the U.S. Capitol. It shows both current House Speaker Mike Johnson leaving the Speaker's chamber with former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Word on the street in D.C. is that the duo were discussing a biblical worldview on unlimited grift to Ukraine. Also in the House, they voted yesterday to authorize the impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden with every Republican supporting the measure. The 221 to 212 party line vote put the entire House Republican conference on record in support of an impeachment process that can take this to the Senate, where Joe Biden could be removed from office if they voted to. They're not going to do that. Speaking of the Senate, they passed their version of the National Defense Authorization Act, which contains a provision which allows the U.S. federal government to continue, yes, continue to spy on Americans without a warrant. The Republicans who voted for this NDAA are Barrasso of Wyoming, Blackburn of Tennessee, Boozman of Arkansas, Britt of Alabama, Bud of North Carolina, Capito of West Virginia, Cassidy of Louisiana, Cornyn of Texas, Cotton of Arkansas, Kramer of North Dakota, Crapo of Idaho, Cruz of Texas, Danes of Montana, Ernst of Iowa, Fisher of Nebraska, Graham of South Carolina, Grassley of Iowa, Hagerty of Tennessee, Hoven of North Dakota, Hyde Smith of Mississippi, Johnson of Wisconsin, Kennedy of Louisiana, Langford of Oklahoma, Marshall of Kansas, McConnell of Kentucky, Moran of Kansas, Mullen of Oklahoma, Murkowski of Alaska, Ricketts of Nebraska, Risch of Idaho, Romney of Utah, Rounds of South South Dakota, Rubio of Florida, Schmidt of Missouri, Scott of Florida, Scott of South Carolina, Sullivan of Alaska, Thune of South Dakota, Tuberville of Alabama, Tillis of North Carolina, Wicker of Mississippi, and Young of Indiana. More Democrats voted against this NDAA than Republicans voted against it. Of course, if you count Senator Bernie Sanders, who caucuses with the Democrats. Checking in on the White House, where Dr. Jill Biden unveiled her winter solstice decorations. The presidential palace, the party of the year. Eyes bright, chins up, smiles on. Whoops, wrong clip. That's real, by the way. Not sure what it is, but it is real. In Iowa, Donald Trump hit the campaign trail. And we are a nation that allows the radical left to violently attack our cities, leaving behind massive destruction and death. And nothing happens to the violent criminals that do these terrible things. There is no punishment. But when the people who love our country protest in Washington, they become hostages, unfairly imprisoned for long periods of time. So sad, isn't it? So sad. Afterwards, Right Side Broadcasting interviewed this Trump supporter. So what is it about Trump that you love so much? Uh, number one, he's a godly man. He, he's working for God, for darn sure. Um, number two, he really cares about us. He cares about us. He cares about what happens to us. He cares about our country. He didn't come in there because he wanted the money. He's got money. He's, he's came in there because he is actually working for God, and he wants to help us, and he wants to get us to a good spot. He wants to make America great again, and I, I you know, it's true. You know, but I, I, I think he's going to make it even greater because I don't think no matter what they try to do to stop him, 
he's going to come back because he's working for God and God's on his side. In Florida, a high school there has been placed on a one-year administrative probation and fined $16,500 for allowing a dude to play on the girls' volleyball team. In a three-page letter to Monarch High School's interim principal, the Florida High School Athletic Association accused the school of violating the state's Fairness in Women's Sports Act, an association bylaw, both of which prohibit biological males from playing on women's sports teams at public schools. And finally, in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley held a town hall. Um, you sound really good. You're a strong speaker. Some of your policies I do agree with. You sound like a Democrat sometimes. Sorry about that. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Eden Pure, who now want to do something about your heating bills because they're expected to rise this winter like virtually everything else. But a powerful heating technology used by Eden Pure called the Gen 40 Heater is already helping thousands of people save money on their heating bills. And if you trusted them with purifying the air in your home, you know you can trust them with this. Their advanced engineering uh, team put this together to combine an infrared heating system and a collective heating system, or convective heating system, I should say, into one space heater these two technologies they work together to heat a home better than your current furnace boiler baseboard heater and other space heaters are out there by using two forms of heating technology to heat a room the gen 40 heater makes you feel warmer and reduces your heating bills so right now you can get an additional 50 dollars off the gen 40s sale price with my discount code just go to edenpuredeals.com and enter discount code steve 50 that's edenpuredeals.com discount code steve 50 to save an additional $50 off the sales price. Okay. So I think, Aaron, you and I have a difference of opinion. And I, and I want to walk through this to see if that is the case. And then if it, that is, which one of us is right, is which one of us is wrong. All right. Why do you have your eyes up? Are we not permitted to have a difference no, of opinion around I just, here? I'm interested. Okay, I mean, you may have I don't know. Like, I don't it, know. Mom I don't and dad know are going to fight. Is. I didn't okay. pick up on anything, okay. so I'm... I, I, I think your view and, and others' view of this, with of the the, the machinations See, of the sure court are that. way more optimistic That's than why mine. I said it could. Okay. That, I'm grass. I'm looking for anything. I hear you. I hear <laughs> you. And, and so, I just want to... I could be wrong. All right? So, here's all... To me, all that's changed is... The the judge has the the, the the judge, by the way, see, here's the thing. We haven't followed this day to day and talked about it like a lot of other shows do. We don't like live and die with the briefings and break it all down, you know, but but I have followed it very closely, even though we don't talk about it intimately on a daily basis. Um, she has granted Trump delay um, motions in the past. OK, like, um, for example, the. Uh, or, or she is, she is. When Trump appealed, I should, let me put it this way: when Trump appealed her gag order that she couldn't talk, okay, when 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 he appealed the gag order to the Court of Appeals, she agreed to to get rid of the ga- the gag order until the D.C. Court of Appeals rendered their verdict. She agreed to that, okay, mm-hmm. and then the D.C. Court of Appeals rendered their verdict and put the gag order back in place, or they 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 ruled the verdict that her gag order was appropriate and she put it back in place. Okay, so I it, there have been times that that some of Trump's motions have been honored when they've been part of a larger appeal process. She is only, from my understanding, she is only this this uh, Obama a hardcore left wing activist judge. She is granting his his call for a delay 
simply because Jack Smith has already gone up to the Supreme Court to have the case heard, as we discussed at the beginning of the week, to have the case heard about whether the charges, whether the president, whether or whether Trump's immunity extends post-presidency. Okay. Some of you, by the way, have taken issue with me in saying that Trump is not arguing that he has perpetual immunity as a president. He is arguing that what he did as president has perpetual immunity. I assumed you kind of knew that's what I meant. Because who was president on January 6th? That would be Trump. That would be Trump. I, 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 I didn't assume that you guys, I, I forgive me, maybe I, you know, maybe I'm wrong and should have more simplistically um, explained myself. But I, I guess I just assumed that you guys didn't think I meant that Trump thought he could just do whatever he wanted to do for the rest of his life even after he's president. And if I made that point or made you think that way, that's on me. But I guess I kind of would have figured that was an automatic. Trump is saying what you do as president gives you immunity for life. And even that I think is problematic. For example, um, what if Bill Clinton had tied down Monica Lewinsky and raped her in that uh, special adjunct office of LBJs instead of just turning the word humidor into a verb? Would that be a perpetual... Right. I mean, what if what if we know Corn Pop is on the phone yet last week with Hunter Biden's people, you know, cutting deals, uh, you know, for grift in the White House? Is that if they don't remove him from office, is that perpetual immunity when it's clearly criminal fraud? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's kind of what's being argued here um, is, is if is if you have perpetual immunity, you can do anything you want as president. And if they don't if they don't bust you, you can just do whatever you do. You do whatever you want. And if they don't bust you, then you can't, nothing can happen to you into perpetuity. If I did not make that distinction very clear, then that's on me. Okay. I should have done that. Um, that is the gist of, of Trump's case that you just, if you're president, you have immunity into perpetuity for what you did as president. Now, none of these motions have been grant were granted at all, except for Jack Smith begging the question. So do, do, if Trump, if, if Jack Smith had not gone to the U.S. Supreme, let me put it this way. If Jack Smith had not gone to the U.S. Supreme Court and said, I want to bypass the District Court of Appeals and go right to the Supreme Court and find out if Trump's, if Trump's defense has merit, okay? And let's just find this out right now. If he had done, not done that, if he had not done that, we were still, and, and, and Trump had then gone to the, the Obama activist judge on his own, and asked for a delay in this trial, would she have granted it, do you believe? I don't know. No is the answer, unquestionably, is the, is the answer. Because you can actually see in her own order. Hey, you know, we're delaying this right now, the part, the section that Aaron, because he's been trying to get this stuff delayed the entire time. The, the answer is no. That, it, it's that Jack Smith begged the question. That's what caused her to delay until the Supreme Court adjudicates that answer. Meaning he's the one that provoked the delay. Trump just said, hey, if we're going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court here and adjudicate this, then, you know, we, don't you think I should be getting a delay in the trial until the Supreme Court renders a verdict? And that's why the judge said, well, yeah. But if no one was, if no one was going right to the Supreme Court, would she have said to Trump, yeah, we'll put this thing off? No, is the answer. Listen, I think... As independent agents, we have to question whether all of them are starting to realize none of them are independent agents. I, I think the two stories here, we didn't know earlier in the week when I suggested, do, do we really know how John Roberts is putting his thumbs on the scale here? Now we have this January 6th story. 
we didn't know about that at the time. We were t- we were asking why did Jack Smith do this, but he did. There's no way he didn't know this was coming down the pike. What? I I don't I know if I'm reading the tea leaves right, and if these are sending signals that I think might be sent by this. But it seems to me a lot of people are starting to act in ways that they realize they aren't independent agents in all this, and there is there is a game afoot that they are but pawns in on some level. Go ahead, Aaron. This is a an incredibly convoluted process, <laughs> and this was illustrated. I I had conflated. I had seen news reports about you know how how, how this case being taken up by the Supreme Court about. Uh, the felonious use of obstruction of official proceedings. Mm-hmm. I'd seen that, and I'd conflated that with the Trump news yesterday about Chutkin uh, granting a delay. The key word in her uh, brief was that she maintains all rights to start the trial in, on March, which is probably, I, I still think that probably is a little bit more in jeopardy now. There's no reason they can't start it in May. I, I mean, what's stopping the Supreme Court there's a lot of conf- confusion here. What's stopping the Supreme Court from uh, asking this or, or rendering a verdict on this quickly, like when, within the next couple months? That probably nothing, means in March. Nothing. Trump has yeah. nine to head. Trump was only given nine days to give a reply so, to, 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 so maybe, to Jack Smith. So maybe the March trial date is off the table. Why not May? Why not June? Why not post RNC convention? Or I'm sorry, RNC, you know, Republican National Convention. What's stopping that? So that's that's the confusion uh, that I have because this is an incredibly convoluted case. It could, you know, it could. The only thing stopping this from happening later in the summer is there's just so much pressure. That's absolutely that. That's all absolutely true. That's uh, so everything much, you just said. I I agree with everything you just said. So there's so much okay. political pressure to not have this going on during a general election if Trump is the nominee. But we're also talking about communists. I think that's what a lot of people who are very Correct. optimistic about this are missing. Is yes. that we're talking about communists who have shown, even given by evidence of the fact that we're even here and having this conversation, don't give two flat rips about Correct. the law. Correct. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you here in just a minute. That may play into what you think. Um, but ultimately, you have to understand, in, in the information age, much of the left is communist and too much of the right are carnies. Okay, so what is true? So, you know, each side oversells everything for their own motivations. Mm -hmm. For the Marxist, it's from an existential standpoint. Okay, overselling everything to justify everything's a crisis to to justify their heinous and overbearing actions. And for the carny right, everything is oversold because it's just good for business and it's branding. Okay, so everything, everything Aaron just said, I wholeheartedly agree with. Okay, my only point is that the reason this judge granted the order is because the central premise of the case that the defendant, Donald Trump, is is arguing is now before the U.S. Supreme Court. That's all. And I do not believe for one second on any other grounds, like if, if, if Jack Smith had just stuck with the same timetable and Donald Trump came out with an order yesterday saying, well, hey, the Supreme Court's going to hear sometime next year and then render a verdict probably either sometime in June or December of next year on the January 6thers. Um, so we should delay our trial. I don't believe there's any chance that that would have worked, as she's clearly demonstrated. OK, I think this is only about the fact that Jack Smith is now taking the premise of Trump's dis- defense to the Supreme Court. 
That's all. In fact, as Aaron pointed out in her order, she hasn't even cleared March for March. Uh, is it third or fourth? She hasn't even taken that off of her court docket yet. Okay. But, but, and I, here's why I think this is important. Because while we're all emotional about this process right now, 318 days from now, someone's going to win the presidency and someone's not. And as emotional and every, as everybody is about this process right now, if our side doesn't win, it's going to be, the, the emotions are going to be a lot worse the next four years. And so on one hand, you've got everybody telling you on, on, in one side of the media, you've got everybody telling you that this is the worst thing of all time. He's going to be a dictator, blah, 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 blah. The good news is you guys all know how to tune all that out. That's why you watch shows like mine. But too much on the right is, is, over, is, is oversold carnyism, like the January 6th tapes. And I was worried about that right away. Did we not see how, how many times have certain people had to walk back? You've seen it, Todd. Without mentioning any names, how many times already, Aaron and Todd, since those tapes started getting released, have certain people had to walk back their bodacious claims that this eliminates the entire January 6th narrative because that's actually not the footage and somebody like our own Steve Baker has had to, to say, hey, yes, there are some people being unfairly persecuted here, but no. The, the idea that this was entirely, a, it just he just did it on our show a couple of weeks ago. We saw that right away. That is the era in which we live. So last night, I get this text from one of my very good friends, works in D.C. He sends me a text from a buddy of his who uh, worked in the Trump White House. And was actually brought before the the January 6th panel there in DC and then they 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 reviewed him and everything else and decided that it wasn't worth charging him they let him go okay life goes on right i won't name the bank okay i won't name the bank i'll just use the i'll just use the pronoun my in place of the name of the bank but it's a big national bank my bank is trying to close my business banking accounts under the guise of the Patriot Act. They sent me a letter asking for client information that they have no business asking for. I said, I'm not giving that to you. You're a bank, not my business partner. And they said, well, if you don't give it over, there will be, quote, disruption in service, end quote. I think this has to do with my subpoenas from the feds of my bank accounts that I'm not supposed to know about. They subpoenaed my bank records without me knowing, and, and my bank has no obligation to tell me they were subpoenaed, only in the case of a grand jury investigation, even if I ask. Do not forget who we're up against. Do not. And one of the problems we have is the very people that these folks are trying to persecute are led by someone who understands bloviating as branding. And everything's the best ever, and nothing, everything's great. To the point he even tells people, I got so many votes, you don't even have to vote, okay? Although he changed his tune in Iowa Yeah, he night. is changing his tune on that now. Do not be lulled into that. These are Marxists. By hook or by crook, baby. And laws are speed bumps. I don't believe anything has changed from what I said on this show on Monday about the turn of events, nothing has changed. The only new potential variable is the court has agreed to take up a January 6th case for the first time. They've rejected every all the other ones. But they but understand, here's the 
put everything and I'm in context. I'm far more optimistic about that than I am Trump's DC case. I agree with that. But also keep in mind the same day that the court said they take up this case, they also said they're not going to take up any a, a case involving a, a, a Christian therapist losing their license for teaching the gospel to people who say they're same sex attracted. Amy Coney Barrett said didn't, and and Gorsuch left those people hanging high and dry. Uh, rejected more appeals uh, that went after the Biden administration for a mass poisoning called the vaccine mandate. You see what I'm trying to say here? Understand. I I know there's a shrinking desire on the right. I mean, that desire is gone on the left. Wholly gone. It's all projection now. It's all magical thinking now. And it's gotten so bad that some of their luminaries of the ilk of a Bill Maher has has 50 percent of the time started sounding like people like us who he completely still disagrees with. But he's not insane. He understands truth has to be somewhere more to something. That's gone over there. It's increasingly eroding over here. And some of it is nothing other than our own desperation. We recognize what's happening on the left. And so out of desperation, we, we, are, we are over-romanticizing and over-projecting things in the hopes of not having to acknowledge the truth of what we're up against. We are up against people who put satanic displays in Midwestern legislatures at Christmas time to troll you on purpose. Don't forget who the enemy is. These people were cleared. They were not charged. And yet, they're having their assets, they're going after their assets nevertheless. I have no idea what's in Trump's phone records that Jack Smith just got a hold of, but we're going to find out. Because they're just going to leak everything. I mean, we could be sitting here next year with Trump as the nominee and he gets off scot-free. All they do then is they, or, or they, he successfully able, is able to delay these things. They just take everything in his phone records. That's just their commercials all next year. Do not underestimate who these people are. And so I, I know... The branding most people want to put on our podcast nowadays, big Trump win, because you'll click on it. It might be, but you're not going to find that out until well into next year. We don't know that yet. And essentially, you're putting all of our, we're putting all of our trust in a Supreme Court that just this week said, we can't be bothered to defend Christians against religious persecution, and we, we can't be moved to punish the people who poisoned you. That's all. That's it. That's all I have. Any thoughts before I move on? Well, I sure as hell am not putting my trust in a Supreme Court. Back then, it was purely from a pessimistic, just on Monday, point of view. When I said, well, have we considered... John Roberts putting his thumb on the scale. I have no idea what his reasons for doing so now uh, would be, ultimately, other than maybe just raw power. I need to get in this game. But I do think the link between Donald Trump and the January Sixers, it's not optimistic to point out. It is that it's the people that hate Donald Trump that are constantly linking those two. 
insurrection. They did this thing because you made them do it and all that. Now, all of a sudden, this case is here. And if this case does go sideways on them, that absolutely does have an impact. I've, I'm just connecting dots. It's not out of hope. Um, I've just, we've seen weird, weird stuff before, and I'm not going to look the way on this weird stuff either. Our own Steve Baker, did you see this tweet from 25 minutes ago? No. Breaking, my attorney has just been notified by the FBI that I am going to be charged by the Justice Department mm. for my journalistic efforts on January 6th. I have to self-surrender on Tuesday. Charges are yet unknown. See, man. see things are just... <laughs> And this is the guy who's trying to do everything on the up and up, man. With no, without. This is the. This is the. He, I mean, this is the guy that doesn't have a grift. He doesn't have an angle, other than what's the truth, which is probably why he got charged. And some other people who do have an angle have not been. What that shows you right there, is that what these people hate the most, what they're threatened by the most, isn't a counter narrative, isn't a counter grift, isn't a counter lie. It is the truth. It is the truth. That is the biggest threat. What is the truth? And the truth is, do not ever underestimate who these people are, what they believe, and how far they're willing to go, and I'll use this term, to execute it. Don't. I mean, that was almost like it was just queued up for this conversation. Sadly, that news was. Here's where they're going to go next. If a Democrat, whether it's Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, or Big Mike, if a Democrat is elected in 2024, once they're done with everybody who was in or around the Capitol, they're going to start going for right-wing media and -hmm. start targeting for them for how they covered January 6th. Mm -hmm. That's where this is going next. I could see it. I'm not underplaying. I'm doing the opposite. I'm telling you these, what we're up against is worse than many, much of what Mm -hmm. you're being told in our industry. It's worse. It's worse, which is why we have to take it seriously and be serious ourselves. Christmas memories like the songs and carols you love. And only pericarditis and his mRNAs have all your favorite holiday songs in one non-random controlled study. It's beginning to look a lot like a Vax Pass to get into anywhere you go. From inspiring hymns like Oh, holy spike The protein bloodstream traveling because they lied and it don't stay in your arm. Oh, little town of Wuhan, we can't believe you lied. You're run by creeps who should be put to sleep. Those bats, they don't live nearby. Two traditional Christmas classics such as... The 12th 
decade of lockdowns my true lords gave to me absolutely freaking nothing i've been home since christmas hmm. you can zoom with me said your kidneys to the people far and near do you fear remdesivir then there's those funny novelty songs to lighten the mood. Grandma got run over by a promo. He left her to die in an infected nursing home. I really can't stay. Baby, it's COVID stand. I really must go. Can't, baby, it's COVID stand. I saw mommy masking Santa Claus because the CD said so last night jingle bell jingle bell jingle bell palsy if you dare get that booster then you sure are ballsy and of course we remember the reason for the season Ouchie, did you know that your virus would someday wreck the world Fauci did you know that your science doesn't know what's a boy or a girl. It came upon Anthony Fauci, a sulfuric presence of old. From demons deep within the earth, who not all this collection has so much more to offer like rudolph the red-nosed redfield all i want for christmas is my fifth vaccine deck rochelle with facts and data whitmer wonderland little jabber boy have yourself a little waning efficacy happy christmas this is never over and more all this can be yours for a high high price we can't name yet because inflation but don't let that stop you from this once in a lifetime collection call now at 1-900-666-VAX to order only available while supply chains last, must be double masked when you call. Again, that's 1-900-666-VAXX. You know, as popular as that bit has been over the last couple of years, it probably would have been even better if our guest today had done the vocals instead of uh, yours truly. Don't you think? Potentially, Todd. Book uh, it. Undeniably. Undeniably, so. yes. And it's it's a guest that uh, has, has been requested again on this show many times the last few years, and we finally were able to make it work. Uh, check out his book, Wimpy, Weak and Woke, How Truth Can Save America from Utopian Destruction. John L. Cooper, lead singer of Skillet. John, it's a pleasure to have you here with us on The Blaze. Welcome to the program, brother. How are you? Good, Steve. I sure love that Christmas album, man. I sure love it. I think you sound good. You know, it, Don't ever change. Don't change it. Leave it like it is. <laughs> I, I'm proud of the writing I did to come up with those songs and lyrics. Not so much of it, uh, so much it's execution, but I, I appreciate it. Nevertheless, let's talk about your, <laughs> let's talk about your title, which is very subtle. Of course, um, when you talk about wimpy, weak and woke, who are you talking about specifically other than pretty much everybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. A very subtle title. I got to be honest. I had no idea how many people were going to be so livid 
and absolutely apoplectic over the name. Like, I thought the name of the book was funny, and I knew some people would be triggered. I can't believe the amount of Christian people just super PO'd at me over it, and they keep saying to me things like, Oh, okay. So since I care about poor people, I guess that means you think I'm woke. I'm never listening to you again. Anyway, so who am I talking about? For one thing, I am talking about a zeitgeist. It, this is this is like the world we are living in. We are in a society of wimpiness, weakness, and wokeness that certainly has infected the evangelical church. Everybody listening to this program already knows that because you cover that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is the zeitgeist that we've gotten used to thinking, and I define it in the book. Wimpy. When I say wimpy, what I mean is this. We have decided that winsomeness is more important than telling the truth. Seeming like a nice person and a polite person has basically overtaken the role of the church. The truth, uh, the church is no longer a prophetic voice to the culture speaking repentance and speaking about the evil. You know, think of the words of Jesus, you know, our Lord. He says, the world hates me. Because I testify that its works are evil. Well, that's not what the evangelical church does anymore. We, we think that politeness is more important than, than telling the truth. That is wimpy. What do I mean when I say weak? I say that we are weak because if you are wimpy, then it's because you have a weak theology and a weak philosophy. And that weakness ends up making you redefine who God is. And, and, and I say this a lot, but like in whether it's Christian music or whether it's in our Christian leadership, there's a lot of people unashamed to say the name of Jesus, but they are absolutely ashamed of the character of Jesus. That is weak. What do I mean when I say woke? I don't mean caring for the poor. In fact, I write that in my book. I, I, I literally write it in the first chapter because I have all these people that I knew were going to freak out. Let me, let me find it here. I'll read it to you. It says on page... Uh, 30, oh, I can't find it right now. Then I'll just tell you. I say it in my book, caring for the poor and hating racism and loving justice is not being woke. That's what Christians do. So, hey, we got a message for all the secular social justice warriors out there that think they created social justice wrong. Christianity created social justice. Wokeness is when you, you trade a biblical worldview You get rid of it and you have a brand new totalizing worldview that sees the whole world through nothing but power and oppressors and oppressed groups of people. And it redefines who is poor and who is oppressed. And the next thing you know, you end up having Christian churches, quote unquote, marching for the oppressed Mm -hmm. by, you know, burning down buildings and things like that and screaming about racial justice while they are actually hurting people. So that's what I mean by wimpy, weak and woke. I, I think, John, I, I think we're beyond voting our way out of this. Yes. Do, it doesn't mean that, that the process politically isn't important. It is. It's, how, it's where I've worked full time for the last 17 years. But, but I, I think the hole is too deep and that we are wholeheartedly at this point in revival or bus territory. And it's entirely possible that we might even just be in a Romans 1 style of judgment territory. What are your views on that? Uh, I, I, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that, Steve. I amen 
literally everything you just said. We are in a revival or bust. You like politics. I like politics. I think it matters. I think Christ has something to say about politics. I think Christ has something to say about righteous law. But we are so far beyond that. You know, um, not to brown nose too much, but I loved your film, Nefarious. I oh, thought it was, thank you. was really, really wonderful. I watched it twice. I watched it in the bus with my band, and and my son was with me on the road. My daughter's in college. So when I came home, I said, we have to watch it again with my daughter. So good. And I think that's it. How are you going to vote? How are you going to vote your way out of a situation like what, what you, you did in, in Nefarious when you are dealing with absolute wickedness? So I think it's revival or bust. I believe personally that if the church would just act like the church, I actually think it'd be boom. I think we'd see change like that. There are so many people who claim the name of Christ in this country who go to church. We just don't live like it because we've let the the ideas of the world, you know, in theology, they call it syncretism. But for anybody Mm -hmm. who doesn't know what that is, all they mean is basically when you have the ideas of the world seeping into Christianity and you try to kind of meld them together. And now what we have is basically worldliness, but with a belief and a transcendent God. And, and so, and we're wondering how come we're not the light is because, because you don't actually believe in the Bible. You're just doing what the world says, but in the name of Jesus and it's not working. So I definitely think we're in revival or bus territory. I aim in that. And I certainly think that Romans one, we're just watching it. We're watching this thing outplayed because 10 years ago, I had lots of friends that were not Christians were not conservatives. They're they're basically atheists or agnostic progressives. Uh, I would just call them center left Democrats. Mm-hmm. Tons of friends like that. We found a lot of agreement on a lot of things. I never ended. My friendships never ended because of these things ten years ago because we still agreed that we were living in a, an objective reality. Right. Like this was still the physical world, and everybody knows it's the physical world. I remember even just back, I'll tell one last thing, in 2019, I remember touring with a, my, an, I had an atheist, um, progressive left guy, he worked for me for 11 years, we were great friends, and I remember, say, I kept saying to him, man, you guys on your side, you've got to do something about this transgender ideology, this is going to literally destroy the fabric of, of society, and of Western civilization, and if we have our way, we're going to destroy the whole fabric of humanity here. And he kept saying to me, John, why are you such a, a conspiracy theorist? Why are you such an extremist? Right. Right. You know. And I kept saying to him, this is what your side believes. And he's like, no, we don't. Nobody believes in that. Well, you find out where he's at today now. He's marching yeah. for those very things. Yep. So we're really in a place that is just, it's madness. And so what I wrote write about in the book is for those kind of people who who love God, they love the Bible, but they, they listen to Steve Dace and they go, Steve, you just sound like an extremist. None of these things are real. This is a book you may want to give to a person like that because it will help convince them. I get asked all the time as someone that has worked in politics at various levels and does a show like this, what do we do? What do we do? And and I don't really think it requires some complicated plan. Um, I think the solution here is actually simple, but not easy. Um, really, the solution is what it's always been, and that is a man on fire with an anointing by the Holy Spirit 
in a pulpit with his Bible open and unashamedly and courageously and unabashedly telling people who are listening what it says. That's that's kind of always been the solution. <laughs> Yahtzee. <laughs> that's the Yahtzee <laughs> moment right there. That it, I, I don't know how many times I said it's not actually it's not complex. And the word of I think what happened, one of the things I write in my book that I think is most helpful is this. I, I hope this makes sense to people and maybe they're going, John, this is so obvious. Why are you saying it? But I actually think that, that I'm hitting something that's right. I think what happened to the evangelical world in the 90s, early 2000s, we stopped being convinced that the Bible has the answers for life on this earth. Or else we stopped teaching it. It's almost like we started going, okay, the Bible has the answers for the soul. Right. For like when you die. Um, the Bible has the answers for, for personal piety mm-hmm. and how to, to love God in your own heart. But the Bible doesn't give us answers for the here and now with how how government how should work. How now are we to live? Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. The Bible doesn't give us that. And so in the in the, my book, I'm tr- I try to, to lay this out to say that the, the law of God is not arbitrary. God's commands are not arbitrary. God's not like the parent that says, I have two kids and my kids, you know, when they're little, can I go spend the night with so-and-so? And if I'm, let's say that I got too much on my mind and I, I go, I, no, I'm not in the mood for that. And they go, why, dad? Well, I don't really have a reason. I just don't really – I don't want to make a decision, so no. I don't know if any other parents can relate to that or not. It's an arbitrary decision. I, I'm not in the mood to decide this, and I don't want you to do it because I said so. God's laws are not like that. God's laws make sense. So he created a moral universe. Then he created a moral law, and his moral law coincides with his moral universe. It makes sense. And so when you obey what God says – you find that you're in the flow of the good world that God created. So your natural outcomes are going to actually make sense. And so I think that what happened is that the church was like, we don't need to teach any of that stuff. That gets divisive. That gets complicated. Don't worry about it. And so because of that, we sort of created a a bifurcation Mm -hmm. where we say, Jesus is the Lord of heaven. He's the Lord of my soul when I die. But man's ideas are just opinions. So it's like it's like some people like mayo, some people like mustard. You believe in private property, Steve, but I, I kind of think that Jesus was more of a socialist. I don't think he really cared. I don't think he wanted private property because, you know, the New Testament shared everything alike. And so basically Christianity, you could view it as communism if you wanted, like Christian communism. You could view it as, you know, they have all these other things. And it's mayo or mustard, man. What's the big deal? And what they don't understand is that those ideas have consequences. And that is the reason that the church has lost its prophetic voice. It just mm-hmm. decided the only thing we're going to talk about is the salvation of the soul after you die and let the world eat cake or else choose mayo, choose mustard. It's all the same. And we now we have the consequences of that. So I try to lay it out in the book really simply. God says this works. Everything else leads to madness. All right, I've got less than a minute here. Two things. Number one, next year we're going to do a series of special episodes where we do like Rogan-esque long-form conversations with people. And we'd love to have you back for one of those next year if you're if you're up to it. And then number two, yes. <laughs> number two, where's the best place for people to go and get the book? 
Uh, number one, please have me back. I would love that discussion because uh, I love listening to your stuff. You're, you, we're, me and you are into a lot of the same things. You're a lot deeper into much of those than I am, and so I, I enjoy that. Yes, have me back. Number two, um, go to johnlcooper.com. Unfortunately, that's the only place you can get the physical book. I published it on my own because all the publishers said, John, we'd love to make a book with you. Just not this book or one like it. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> they want to neuter me. Proving your and point. I don't, yes. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Then, then I'm going to make it myself, brother. So go to johnlcooper.com. Get the book for somebody. You can get the Kindle version on Amazon as we speak. Great stuff, brother. We will definitely uh, be calling you next year. All right. Merry Christmas. And it was a pleasure to finally have you on. Keep up, keep up the good work. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. you I'm going to go get the, your Christmas music and celebrate it today over some eggnog. <laughs> Have a good one, Steve. Make sure it's spiked. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. I definitely want to get you guys' thoughts on that conversation. We're just running short on time. So we'll do that when we come back. And uh, we'll get into one of my favorites. We do it every few years on the show. The True Story of St. Nicholas. We'll get into that for Theology Thursday next. live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast and you can decide for yourself how much in demand i got a note from a guy yesterday and you know when i was growing up i never really understood you know the whole man coach was tough on us but we know you know we love him we can see we can look back on it now we know that he did it out of love that he was trying to make us better right and i was like i never really kind of understood that you know until i got older than i kind of do and uh i got a note from a guy today says man I got introduced to your show by a buddy who said, I got to start listening to your show. And I'm like, I started listening to him like, no way. Why why are you recommending this? (laughs) This guy's telling me a bunch of stuff I don't want to hear. And then I kind of, I listened longer and I figured it out. You know what? You just do this because you love us. You want us to win. I, I get it. And so barely a week goes by that you have not, you don't say something that just utterly frustrates me to no end. And and I still don't always come back agreeing with your take, but I see most of the time now where it is actually coming from. So nice. Yeah, that was really well done. I appreciate it. Those were nice words. So thank you very much. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And uh, I'm still having a hard time setting that Steve Baker news aside. I mean, I just... They're rounding us up. Yeah. I'm, I mean... Wow. It is the Hunger Games. You will be tribute. I'm sure you got something to do this weekend, so... Just YOLO. Don't... don't don't underestimate who we're up against. Just don't. And they're they're not going to be they're not going to be deterred by a great troll or a great meme. No, just understand that. Okay, understand that. Um, where'd I leave off? Oh, if you listen to the podcast, uh, please, if you haven't done this yet, leave us a five-star review and we appreciate all of you who have, uh, and you can also on your podcast platform, hit either subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, like most podcasters are, uh, hit follow. And that way, every time we do a new episode, it'll show up in your feed every single time. 
And this part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Pure Health Research. As we approach the new year, a lot of times we start thinking about how to get healthier. That's a very common New Year's resolution. Well, one thing you need to be thinking about if you're thinking about your health is your liver because it's one of the most important organs in the body and it helps with more than 500 functions. Is that a lot? That's a lot. Okay. And your liver, uh, you could be one of the one in three Americans right now who are living with a sluggish or a fatty liver. Uh, And why does that matter? Because it increases your risk of heart disease all the more. And since heart disease is the number one killer in America, we don't really need to do anything to in to incur that risk even higher. It's high enough as it is. So uh, get better prepared for next year because, you know, it's going to be a crazy year with the liver health formula from pure health research it has 11 powerful botanicals that'll help to recharge and protect your liver go get it today and if you do you'll get a a free bottle of omega-3s to keep your heart and brain healthy as well visit getliverhelp.com that's getliverhelp.com getliverhelp.com and claim your free bonus gift as well of those omega-3s when you order the liver health formula at getliverhelp.com All right, before we get to Theology Thursday, gentlemen, your thoughts on the conversation we just had with John Cooper of Skillet, who I was remiss, I forgot to mention this while he was on. The first contemporary Christian music song when I after I got converted that I really, truly got into the first couple uh, were like, I can only imagine by Mercy Me and You Are My Hope by Skillet. That is a great song if you've never heard it before and I should have I should have mentioned that to John and I and I, and I was about to and then he complicated uh, or he complicated uh, he complimented me on uh, our movie Nefarious and of course I just at that point yeah. uh, forgot about him and made it all about me so in absentia John thank you for that song uh, your thoughts on that conversation well John and I have had the exact same experience I mean I I, I recall specific conversations with pe- one guy's named Peter, he's a lawyer. One guy's named Bert, he's a, uh, a journalist. I've had the exact same conversations with those two men in my life. Men of the left, but we liked each other. We shared hobbies and passions uh, outside of uh, work or, and or that's how we came uh, to know one another. And I had that conversation with them because I, I know they genuinely liked me as a person and that they would l- at least listen beyond what they may not if they didn't know me as well. And just like, you guys have got to put the brakes on this. This is where it's going. And I, boom, both of them, uh, it's, they didn't flat out call me a conspiracy theory. It'll never come to that. It's all come to that and more and much faster than I even thought possible. So I really uh, connected with that. And then moving forward and whatever happens, I really like how he simplifies it with ketchup, mustard. Th- those conversations are good. This has been going on for a very, very long time within the protestant framework how many different denominations going all the way back to the beginning where catholics and protestants split our lack of oneness has led to this moment that's undeniable and getting serious about moving forward whatever that means we have got to look that in the eye as believing people and say we have because again i still have people right now they love they love the show they'll vote for desantis and then they tell me i'm going to hell because i'm catholic and you're going to vote for DeSantis? He's Catholic too. We're schizophrenic on this front, and we've brought this reality to the place where secular, that's why half the world is secular, half the country is secular these days. They're like, what? You guys have no answers. You're not on the same page about anything. 
So I, I found that's where I went in my mind when he's talking about ketchup versus uh, mustard. Sometimes making it that simple is the thing that you makes you ultimately have to bend to the to the idols we have fashioned in the name of denominationalism. We have created this reality. I cringed during the early part of that interview when he talked about how social justice is actually something that comes from the Christian tradition and the Christian faith, and it's not really have it doesn't have its roots. And I cringed because I have so, especially as a millennial, I have so associated social justice with absolute demonism. But I think he's actually correct. Everything that the left does tries to co-opt the good, the true, and the beautiful. How can you have justice apart from a definition, a working definition of good and evil? How can you have a definition of good apart from God? Is it really any surprise that as a culture and a society that has moved further and further away from God, that we have a less and less working definition of good and, and evil and a less and less, therefore, definition of justice? Mm -hmm. The entire social justice movement, just like any other movement within the spirit of the age, it is a co-opting of God himself. That is why it's so pernicious and so dangerous. Because apart from God, justice can mean whatever the heck you want it to mean. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's why we are. And that's why we see what we see. That's why we see the chaos that we have. Because apart from God, a working good definition of good and evil, a working definition of justice, everything must then become subjective. And that's why we wax and wane. Moment by moment, every day in this country, mm -hmm. between the time of the judges and Romans one, because they're not really a different. There's not really a difference. I'm convinced between time of the judges and Romans one judgment. That's what we're seeing here: social justice apart from a working definition of good and evil, which must then become or have with it a a a, a, a rooted a rootedness in God. We will become chaotic. And that's why we wax and wane between time of the judges and Romans one every day. I am so glad you brought that up, Aaron. If we were alive in, in, in earlier eras of the church as unbelievers, we, we would, we would look at the Christians that built the orphanages, the first orphanages, the first hospitals, these social institutions. And we would have looked at them as just do-gooders. Okay. Aimless do-gooders. And but 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 the different similar to the way that you maybe look at some of the the quote unquote SJWs today. Okay, here's the difference though, and this is a very it, it, it's a it's a difference it's a distinction with a major difference. The goal the reason Christians did those things was to glorify Christ and to demonstrate the love of Christ. We love because He first loved us, as John writes in one of his letters at the end of the New Testament. These days, these things are done because the enemy takes everything God does and he, and he distorts it. Uh, he bizarro worlds it. It's all from, you know, from the other side of the looking glass. These things are now done in the benevolence and exaltation of the state, of the unchurched realm, of the secular realm. So it, it used to be before the welfare state, when, when you received an act of charity, it was probably coming from the church, which means when you receive that, who would you thank and glorify? God. Now you are more likely to receive a, 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 an act of charity from the state. 
So who do you glorify instead? The government. And then you therefore will vote for more people that will give you more government. This is, this, this is what we're talking about here. This, this is Marvin Olansky's The yeah, Tragedy this, this of is American a, Compassion. This is a warping of God's yes. economy is, yes. what, is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's being done on purpose. Mm-hmm. All right. It's the, it's a bizarro warping, a distortion. The enemy just simply takes, I mean, what's the number six, six, six mean in the scriptures? I, I, I'm convinced that what that means is that what's the number of God seven, seven. In, the, in the scriptures, the number of holiness completion is seven. What would, what would the number six be? Incompletion. So, incompletion. Something gets really close to it to the point that you'll be, you'll be fooled by it. But, it, but And why three sixes? Well, to mock the Trinity. But really, it could have 75 sixes there, 10,000 sixes there, because all the sixes in this world, all added, multiplied together, won't get you to a seven. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a distortion. And, I mean, that's, that's everything that the enemy does. So I, I'm, I'm so glad that you made that point. I think it's a very important one. I mean, I, that, this is a great segue to our friends over at Preborn. I mean, why are, why are they trying to save both babies? Stop and think about the fact they're trying to save babies from their own mothers. The church had to do this in their other eras. I mean, we formed orphanages because Roman prostitutes would just literally dump their children on the side of the road and leave them there to die. The children they would conceive as prostitutes, they would just drop them off, dump them, and just, just literally baby dumps. So this isn't the first time that we've had, as the church, we've had to save babies from their own mamas. There's nothing new under the sun. But they also understand, too, that that mom is seeking out that choice because she thinks she's out of options. That's the only choice that she has. She can't do this alone. And you know what? She's right. She wasn't, that's why, she wasn't meant to do it alone. And so they're there to save the mama, too. And that's why we love to support preborn here on the Blaze. It's why our family supports preborn as well. They understand, number one, that mom's got to recognize that's not her body. It is somebody else's heartbeat. That's where the ultrasound comes in. But then that 80% of the time, the mom's like, okay, I can't do it. I can't go through with it. Thank God. Wish the number was even higher. That mom still, though, has all the same conditions in her life that made her think that she should make this awful choice in the first place. So they're there for her before the baby's born, after the baby's born, and in real tangible ways, even like, you know, counseling, car seats, stuff that that matters day to day. And all of that is free of charge, provided they have tax-deductible funding from people like us. If you want to make a tax-deductible donation today, a great option for your year-end giving. Go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, go to preborn.com slash Steve. Which brings me to Theology Thursday. And I've done this over the years uh, uh, several times. It's been, I think we did this the last time, I think it was in 2020. 2021. So it's been a, a, a two, three years since we've done it before. But every few years I like to do, as we get to the end of the year, this will be our last Theology Thursday of the year. We have, we have one more week of programming for you uh, for this year. That's next week. But next Thursday will be our special two-hour year-end Dace Group episode. And then next Friday, our final uh, new show of the year, will be your special year-end review programming. So this will be the last Theology Thursday for 2023. And every now and then I like to reset the story of, of, of St. Nicholas, which is the, 
the the story that was the inspiration for the figure that we now know in legend as Santa Claus. See, this is the oneness I'm talking about. Steve Dace going all what what fifth fifth century Catholic on us and in the Wayback Machine. This is bringing people together. Good stuff, man. You, you know why? Because I am actually sola scriptura. I only I, I, if you are on the side of the Word of God, I'm on your side. You can call yourself whatever you want, man. Pansexual, vegan, lizard person, as Aaron would say. I don't atheist, pan, Muslim, pan, Muslim, thank atheist, you. Vegan, pansexual, if, if you're on, if you're on the it, side, get I, it right. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm actually I am actually sola scriptura. If you're on the side of the Word of God, which I think is the ultimate authority in the universe, I'm on your side. Yeah, let's go. That's it. Yeah, you know, we're we're t- we're on the same team then at that point. Um, what I love so much about this story is, and man, this is a great capper to the conversation we just had with John Cooper from Skillet. Yep. This is not a jolly old elf. You know the line that we've quoted so many times on our show from uh, the line, "The Witch in the Wardrobe," when they go to meet Aslan. When the Pevensey children go to meet Aslan, the lion, mm-hmm. for the first time, and little little Lucy, the youngest, goes to Mr. Beaver, and she's like, well, he's a lion. I mean, is that safe to, be, to go and meet a lion? And Mr. Beaver's like, oh, no. He is not safe, but he is good. That's kind of the distinction Absolutely. that John was drawing last hour. All right? We have made this safe. We were having this conversation in our small group last night that the, the secular world... The unbelieving world long ago determined things were true on the basis of whether it was comfortable to their narrative to accept that being true. And therefore, if it's not, then as you heard John articulate last hour, I can just completely undo reality. And he talked about his left-wing friend that was one of the you know touring um, uh, uh, performers in his band. And was accusing him of being a conspiracy theorist just a few years ago for saying, you guys got to shut this tranny stuff down. Or it's going to take everything over. And now that guy left the band and he's out marching with trannies. Okay. There you go. Right. And, uh, we're doing more and more of this on the right. And we, and, and we're, and, and we learned it from the church. Most evangelical ministers are not woke. They would be what I would call, um, Either safe, so, safe not soft woke, or have signed a non-aggression pact with the spirit of the age. And what does that look like? It looks exactly like what John was just articulating. We we talk about salvation, and then the conversation just kind of ends there. And we'll see you in heaven. Nothing that would cause any friction or conflict with the outer world at all. And as you're going to see here with the story of St. Nicholas on Theology Thursday, all this guy did... Very in very preborn like ways. Sometimes there was friction, sometimes there was joy, but there was always a confrontation. So Saint Nicholas was a bishop who lived in the fourth century, actually, in a place called Myra, uh, which was located in Asia Minor. We know that place now today as Turkey. Uh, he was a very rich man because of his parents. Uh, they were devout Christians. They died when he was young. And they left him a lot of money. Uh, he was also considered in the community a very kind man, had a reputation for helping the poor and for giving secret gifts to people who needed it, right? Jesus said, hey, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing when it comes to charity, right? Nicholas lived this out. There's several legends about St. Nicholas. 
most of which we think are true, some of which we're not sure. Um, one of the most famous stories about St. Nicholas tells how the custom of hanging up stockings to produce presents first started. And it goes something like this. Uh, there was a poor man who had three daughters. The man was so poor that he did not have enough money for a dowry, which is, you know, you would pay someone to, to marry your daughters. That's what a dowry was. So that would mean his daughters could not get married. Uh, one night, Nicholas secretly dropped a bag of gold down the chimney and into the house so that the oldest daughter was then able to be married. The bag fell into a stocking that had been hung up by a person who had given him the money. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, the bag fell into a stocking that had been hung up to the fire to dry. And this was later repeated with the same family when it was time for the second daughter to want to marry. Finally, uh, they determined to discover who was the person who, had keep, who kept giving money for a dowry. The father secretly hid by the fire every evening until he caught Nicholas dropping in a bag of gold. Nicholas begged the man not to tell anyone what he had done because he did not want to bring attention to himself, but soon the news got out, and when anyone received a secret gift, it was thought that maybe it was from Nicholas, even if it wasn't. Other stories tell of Nicholas leaving expensive fruits like oranges in the socks of local children when they left them hanging by the fire in their homes. These were very expensive. I know an orange, that was a very expensive delicacy in 4th century Turkey. And so because of this, these acts of kindness, Nicholas was named a saint by the church. Now, Nicholas was exiled from Myra and later put in prison, chained, and tortured during the persecution of Christians by the emperor Diocletian. Let me repeat that. Jolly old Saint Nick, rather than play it nice, rather than bow the knee, rather than look the other way, rather than sign a non-aggression pact with the spirit of the age, defied it. Stood with the Lord instead. This would not, by the way, be the first time he would do this. We'll get to that in a minute. And as a result, he was put in prison, he was chained, and he was tortured during the crackdown on Christianity by the infamous Roman Emperor Diocletian. He was later released in the time of Emperor Constantine, who converted to Christianity and then issued the Edict of Milan to outlaw Christian persecution. Constantine freed Nicholas and the other bishops. When Bishop Nicholas walked out of prison, the crowds called to him, Nicholas, confessor, they cheered. He had been repeatedly beaten until he was raw. His body was the cover, was, the story tells the color of vermilion, which is an orangish red because of how often he had been tortured. Bishop Nicholas was also said to have intervened on behalf of unjustly charged prisoners and actively sought to help his people survive when they had experienced two successive bad harvests. From there, Nicholas was called as a bishop to attend the famous Council of Nicaea in 325. Now it was here that my favorite part of the story of St. Nicholas takes place. Not that everything else you've just heard is not totally badass, okay? Just completely and totally to the point now that every, almost every boy maybe ought to be named Nicholas at this point, okay? 
This is as, this is already as badass as it gets. Dude is just leaving gold for people, defying emperors, taking beatings, okay? Freeing freeing unjustly persecuted folks. This is already as badass as it gets. But wait, ShamWow, there's more. The council was called to confront one of the greatest heretics in church history, Arius, who was teaching people that Jesus was not God. The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament were not the same. At one point, now this had caused a massive uproar. Remember, we are still, we still don't have, you know, the Latin Vulgate yet. The, the, the Bible is not readily available yet. A lot of this is still done by oral tradition. Arius's teachings are sweeping the Roman Empire. That's what caused this council to occur and for Arius to be invited himself to speak. At one point during Arius's heretical testimony, St. Nicholas became so enraged at the demonic filth spewing from his forked tongue that Nicholas rose up and literally, some accounts say it was a slap, some say it was a flat-out punch, all right? Some say he decked him, okay? But with, without a doubt, dude reached back like a pimp and slapped the hoe known as Arius right there at the Council of Nicaea to shut him up. This caused the event to descend into chaos. In fact, many of the fellow bishops were offended that Nicholas had acted out this way, even if they agreed with his take on Arius. We have to be nice after all. So they decided to put Nicholas in jail overnight to cool him off. The next morning, the jailer arrived to see that Nicholas was somehow released from his chains in the cell. And he was reading the gospels in his cell while dressed again in the very bishop robes that he had been stripped of. No one knows where he either reacquired his robes or the gospels to read. There is no chain of evidence in legend that knows where these elements came from. When he had heard this report of what Nicholas was up to, Constantine took that as a sign that Nicholas had acted righteously. That this clearly the Lord had spoken. This was a, a miracle. So the emperor had Nicholas instantly freed and instantly restored to his office of bishop where he went back home to his once exiled Myra and he served until his death on December 6th in the year 343. And this is why every year I come up with this, I come out with this meme. It is one of my all-time favorite memes of a revered saintly Nicholas with the iconography that is native to that era. But underneath it, it says, I came to bring presents and to punch heretics and I'm all out of presents. My man. And that... That is a man. That, that is the story of St. Nicholas. That is your jolly old elf right there. Aaron. You left out a part, actually, of the story. Sorry, I'm not trying to. No. You left out the part where St. Nick uh, jumped on Twitter to explain how Christians need to uh, leave room for heretics in uh, cathedrals. Because yeah, uh, religious First freedom. Amendment. Yeah, yeah. yeah religious yeah. freedom in Rome. That's an important clarification, Aaron, and I yeah. appreciate you bringing that to light. 
But I mean, this is just, to borrow a phrase from your tribe, this is anathema to the, to the behavior of much of the Western church. Mm. And understand, this is the story that inspired maybe the most beloved holiday legend figure yeah. in all of human history. Which right. Saint, Santa you know Claus. more about other than this Saint Saint Patrick? I mean, the, the, in terms of the that, there you go. That, of the that, world, that would maybe be the only one yeah. from in terms of a holiday right. inspired by his his theologically inclined exploits would be the only one that would come yeah, close. So popular that they've you know you can't separate reality from myth. I Correct. Mean, it's there, there's you too, and this is where I sympathize with your tribe because listen, it, if this was the standard within the Catholic Church. We'd be having much different conversations. Instead, you get wimpy, weak, and woke. You don't get this. So I, I guess while you, like, man, show me something better, you're damn right. Well, you should be shown something better. You should be shown St. Nick, especially in these times. If not now, when? My people lack, or my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And that's, of course, knowledge of, of God in the context of Hosea. But, I mean, if you went into any of your just run-of-the-mill, suburban, evangelical, Protestant church, and you shared that story, what would be the first reaction? What the heck is an Arius? What the heck, yes. the heck is a council even of know. Nicaea? Would not what even know. What the heck is yes. a... I, I didn't even know he was a saint. I yep. thought it was just Santa Claus. I, it's... We lose our knowledge of God. That's the number one thing. What, why, do, why do we study scripture? Why do we study theology? It's not just so we can titillate ourselves with how much we know about systematic theology and how much we know. It's so that we can love God with our hearts and minds better. We don't even do that now, much less study history, much less study church tradition. And that's why, as you just put it, Steve, this behavior is anathema. Anathema. What does anathema mean? It means totally, totally apart from, totally in opposition to something. That's why it's anathema to the modern church, this type of behavior. And it's why there is, maybe Todd can take it from here, why there still is that display to whatever entity there is at the state capitol, yeah. as we discussed yesterday. Just a total failure of the church in the society that nobody looks be- nobody looks good at, uh, nobody looks good coming out of. Yeah, for the reasons Steve talked about yesterday, in both centuries, how many centuries apart? Steve says yesterday, start up here. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, even back then, they want to go down there. And he, St. Uh, Nicholas said, no, no, no. The, the Western church is Santa Claus when it needs to be St. Nicholas. All Amen. Right. More in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Constitution Wealth. Many patriotic Americans today doing what they can to avoid, if possible, doing business with companies who hate us. 
But um, why not extend that exact same thing when it comes to your portfolio? Why invest retirement funds and those same kinds of companies? You can use Constitution Wealth to be both profitable and prophetic. You can be both a profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, small p, or P-R-O-P-H-E-T, I should say, and also get a profit. They can teach you how to do that uh, and build the parallel economy together. Constitution Wealth wants to take all the wealth in this audience and essentially mobilize it in the spiritual battle that is currently taking place. If you want to learn how to do that, how to align your values and your virtues, uh, sign up for a free consultation today at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. That's constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. And now it is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Indeed, it is for the last time in 2023, three non-political questions. Good to see you, Anastasia. How are you, honey? Good. How are you doing? Depends on how good your questions are. But see, right now, I'm okay. You, I got to be real here. You did not tell me this would be the last time, and I didn't put two and two together, or else I would have come up with like way better <laughs> way better questions. I thought I had another I opportunity, so I just kind of mailed this in. <laughs> That's fits. I think this is good. I would have tried way. You know what that harder. tells me? You know what that tells me? Aaron, she's actually gunning for your job, yeah. not mine. All right. Mm-hmm. Just mailing it in. She's really gunning for you, brother. Okay. They're all, all right. Christmas themed, if all that right. makes up for it. Then you know that I'm in. If they're Christmas themed, you know that I'm in. Is it smoked? Yes. Always on this show. Yes. All right. Let's go. Number uh, one. Okay, question number one. All right. On a scale of one to ten, how much does it irk you when people say Seasons greetings or happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. I've always I've always thought seasons greetings was underrated. I've I've always been a fan of seasons greetings. When you were when you were born and little, happy holidays annoyed me greatly because that's right when the war on Christmas was waging out in the open, okay? And that's what made me hate Wham's last Christmas. Right. I didn't hate it back in the day when the song came out when I was your age. You know, I ended up or younger. um, I ended up hating the song because every mall you went to in America from like 2001 to 2005. It was just on loop because they they weren't playing like any of the other Christmas songs anymore. So they just played Wham's Last Christmas and Paul McCartney's Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time on loop all day long. Any mall in America, that's all you heard for like four years. So, so and, and that's where Happy Holidays got, got under my nerves, okay? I don't mind it now. War on Christmas is pretty much over, you know? It's funny, you know, I, I like watching, I mentioned this before, I like watching old Christmas commercials from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. People say like Happy Holidays all the time. But everybody understands that what the context was. It didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't meant as the uh, let's hijack your belief system and eject it from the culture alternative that it became when you were very little. You know, so it doesn't really irk me at all anymore. It doesn't irk me at all for a different reason. Um, what's the root word of of holidays? Holy, yeah. Holy days, yeah. We're not. We're not going to use Christmas anymore. We're going to say happy. Holy days. 
Make it even more religious. <laughs> um, it's like, I'm not going to pay you with a check. I'm going to pay you in cash. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. You played yourself. Great. That was a great own. Good job. Well done. Helmet sticker. So it doesn't irk me anymore. That's a good answer, too. What about you, Todd? See, that's exactly why it, it does irk me, because... There it is. Yeah. I knew if anybody I was, was going to be irked, you knew he was going to come <laughs> nobody through. Has yes. go- nobody really has good reasons. for not. I mean, if you're not Christian, you, whatever. But if you're, if you're a Christian and you are saying Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas, it's almost certainly... We all know this is true, is because you are a cowering and you don't want to offend. I actually kind of agree on this one. I feel this is strongly as well. At a girl. <laughs> At a I girl. do. All right. Uh, before we get to the next question, uh, a great opportunity uh, if you are looking ahead to next year at your health care costs and you're noticing those are going up. Uh, check out our friends at Samaritan Ministries. They might be the alternative for you. Started in 1994 when 10 households began sharing one another's medical bills. Today, it's over 80,000 households across the country who share about $30 million in medical needs each and every month. Here's how it works. There's no network. So when a medical need arises, you choose the healthcare provider that's right for you. You have a say in the type of treatment that you want to receive. Send your medical bills then to Samaritan Ministries and they'll notify fellow members to pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. And when another member has a medical need, you'll do the same for them. So check it out today. This is what happens when the body of Christ comes together uh, in all areas of life, including healthcare. SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. Go there, see if it's the right fit. And if it is, you can join today if you want. SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. All right, question two. What is your most favorite Christmas gift that you have ever given? Not received, given. Favorite one that I've ever given. So whenever these kinds of questions come up, I always just go with what came to my mind first because I just figured that must be the answer I should go with, you know, because I have a lot. Um, I'm going to have a tie. Can I have a tie? Is that okay? Sure. All right. Um, the year you were saving up for the iPad, mm-hmm. okay, and you had saved all that money and we knew exactly how much you had saved and your mom and I had determined we were going to actually go buy it for you. And cover the the rest of the cost, okay? And uh, and we sent you upstairs. Do you trust us? All right, you need to go upstairs then, and you'll get all your money. And you remember this, don't you? Yeah. Bring Testing it all to me us for the real just, world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just yeah. and just trust us. Go get all the money you've saved in your room and bring it all to us, and uh, and we'll see what happens. Not telling you in advance what we were going to do with that money, you know. And then um, we have that on film. Your reaction to when you saw. When we when you gave us the money that you had, and then we extra- we traded you with the gift, and it was the iPad. You remember that, right? Well, because it was the first big thing I ever saved up for. Right. Like actually took all of my money and wanted to put it towards something. Yes. Was that? And then the other one would be um, that immediately comes to mind is one year I gave Noah for Christmas a voucher. Do you remember this one? To go to his first Michigan mm-hmm. game. He was so such a little kid. He's just a little dude. He was just a little. Now he's this. He's not a little dude now. <laughs> no, okay. He's not. Now he's like you know jacked. But he was just a little dude back then, and uh, um, it was uh, Christmas 2015. So Noah was eight. 
uh, and Jim Harbaugh had just taken over, right? It was his first year. And you remember Noah was Harbaugh obsessed. obsessed. He went for as Jim Harbaugh for Halloween two years in a row. Okay. And uh, um, I, the, he opened it up and there was a voucher and I, I printed up this big graphic with a, a Michigan logo and everything. And it was a voucher and he reads it out loud. You know, this is good for two tickets for you to go to your first Michigan game next year. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And he, and I got this on tape and he's reading it out loud. And the kid, man, he was so emotionally ex- worked up. He didn't know how to process it and just started crying. <laughs> he did. You know, he, he was just that, bawling. he was just that emotionally, you know, excited that this was the gift is that he was going to go to Staying the big there, house. there like wiping his tears like a man. Like yeah. Just yeah. Like <laughs> looking away. <laughs> And coming back, yes, yeah, and then we we went to the Hawaii game, first game of the year, and that's one of my all time favorite dad memories. And uh, um, I've got the I've had him cut some videos of what he thought. I've got those videos still on my phone, and uh, we took a great shot with him. We got there early enough that we got to go right down on the field, right next to being on the field at the big house. And one of the um, stadium people took a picture of me and Noah and he's so little, man, I've got to bend over quite a bit to be in the shot. <laughs> you know, when we go to the, when we go to the Rose bowl here in a couple of weeks, we're going to reenact that shot oh. at the Rose bowl. Um, and, uh, but this time I'm not going to have to bend over as much. <laughs> right. We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder. So that's mine. Todd. Uh, first thing that came to mind, it's, it's a present. I bought my, um, mom, who died uh, in the same year that I got uh, married. So she's been gone more than uh, 20 years now. And I bought her this um, six Christmas ceramic coffee mugs uh, that kind of, there's this holder so that they kind of slide down the holder, the handles, and, you know, Mm -hmm. they look kind of decorative, almost like a Christmas tree. So, um, but, you know, that she's gone and my brother and my sister and I got together and, sorted stuff out and who's going to take what and so it was in in her passing it was re-gifted back to me and and so uh we pull it out every christmas and my wife pointed out this year looking at like i i use the same one of the six over and over again mm-hmm. because the other one are clean and pristine and the other one is stained with my <laughs> coffee from every morning but so the which is i use for a month but it's it's just a uh you know, it, it, it brings her back for, for Christmas. So that's neat. That's good. Aaron? I am a terrible person for trying to figure out great presents for, for people. But I do think there's one that kind of stands out. Uh, and it's also an iPad. Um, this was at a period of time where, for my parents, I think they still had a pretty crappy computer um, it might be the same one they still have right now. Uh, phones weren't really, I don't think they had iPhones yet. And so I got, I think it was my idea, maybe me and my sister's idea, but, uh, she's stolen so many ideas from me in the past <laughs> that I'm just going to take credit for it. Um, but I just had this idea to, uh, get my parents an iPad so that we could all FaceTime or at least one-on-one FaceTime together, because this was at a time when I was still up in Minnesota oldest brother is in Washington uh, state, another brother in Alaska, another brother in Germany. And so, and then, you know, uh, my, my sister and her husband, I don't think had any kids yet. And so it was really hard for, for my parents to kind of connect with all of us. So we got them an iPad and I think that was very meaningful for them because they, they got to FaceTime quite a bit more, I believe Mm -hmm. with, uh, with the family. So that one kind of sticks out. Yeah. That's a good one too. 
Speaking of uh, things that you can watch on a screen, if you've not seen the movie The Blind yet about our colleague here at The Blaze, Phil Robertson, about his conversion, his transformation, and how that ended up transforming an entire family across multiple generations. This is an outstanding movie, and for the first time ever, we are offering a theatrical-grade film on our platform here at The Blaze. If you missed it or you want to catch it again, you don't have to give the money to Amazon or Apple. Give it to us instead. They hate you. We don't. All right, go to blazetv.com slash the blind. This was uh, this is this is one of the better movies I saw this year. It's really well done. Blazetv.com slash the blind. That's blazetv.com slash the blind. All right, Anna, final question, honey. What three Christmas movies would you recommend everybody watch with their family this year? Um what three? Um It's a Wonderful Life. It's because it's one of the greatest movies ever made, period, I would say. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm narrowing it down to three is hard. You know, Steven, my husband had never seen that until we watched it I remember as a family that. last year together. Yeah, I remember that. He the greatest. was doing the same manly like chokehold of his tears as well in the corner. He was, it's, a, it's, it, a, it's a tearjerker. That's is. hard to not get emotional at the end it, of that It one. is. It is. It's an all-time great. Okay. So, you know what? Let's do this. Let's let's do something touching. That's It's a Wonderful Life. Let's do something fun, okay? That's Elf, all right? So and then let's do something reverent and um we'll do the Nativity Story, all right? That that's the movie from 2006 which I think is the best film that the movie industry's ever done uh about the biblical Christmas story. So, I'll choose those 3. So there's a little something for everybody. Okay, there's something that, that that gives us the reason for the season, something that gives us the fun and joy of the season. Okay, and then something that also um, is memorable and and uh, and pointing out what happens when we uh, actually live out the reason for the season. How's that? That was good. Okay. Well, the nativity is also on my list. My family watches it every single year and i will let my wife decide the other two just based on the two that have been on the most this year so far uh it, it i think it's 2020 and i the the, the cartoon grinch with cumberbatch is yeah. the voice of the she loves that and uh then klaus which is a fairly new movie that's also been out since 2020 but both my wife and my all my girls absolutely love that movie hmm. it's another retelling of where santa claus came from okay I think for me, I, I had never seen a Christmas story until I met my wife, and we've watched it every year since yep. we've been married. And yep. man, that is such a great movie. I feel like I was missing out. Now we watch it every single year. Just a, a tremendous movie. I really like the Muppets um, Muppets retelling of uh, A Christmas Carol. Yeah, see, I, I had a hard time coming up with just three. Yep. Um, I love that one. And then for a, more of a fun one, I know I'm supposed to do a true reason for the season one, but mo- maybe for more of a fun one. Uh, you've already taken Elf, so I'll do The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, the uh, uh, the most recent one with Jim Carrey. We just the watched live that. action. Yeah, that, we just that watched is that. a phenomenal it's, movie. I forgot how. Yeah, of course. I after the movie was over, I remarked to my wife, I forgot how entertaining that was, and she made fun <laughs> of me for remarking in that way. But it is very entertaining. Yeah, it's a phenomenal <laughs> film. I, I agree. It is. I love it. It's one of my top ten Christmas movies ever. I mean. Um, one of the best moments I had this year is your mom and I um, took our, one of our vacations this year to Cleveland for the weekend to go visit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame. And she just happened to just 
you know, by accident find out that the Christmas story house is right there in Cleveland, Ohio. And us getting to go and visit that and walk through that house. I mean, you just can't help. You have a smile on your face. Like the entire, it's the, it's the heat. It's 95 degrees. It's August, you know, and you're just like walking it's through this, you know, yeah, like when do we get to go see Santa? I mean, it was just, that was a hoot. Okay. If you ever get a chance to go on that tour and, and, and you can buy a relic of everything on the set and I could not resist. All right. And so we bought the, uh, the leg lamp. All right. Uh, for Gile. It's a major award. We couldn't resist. It's a major award. Okay. And so, yeah, I've got that in the man cave at the house now. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you ever are in Cleveland and get a chance to do that, by the way, you have to. That is that is one of the best and least at least expensive two hours or, or, or less you'll spend in a lifetime. It's a ton of fun to go through all that. And they do a great tour, do a great job. One of the things our tour guide said is that they've had a lot of celebrities come through over the years to take this tour. And that a lot of time they a lot of times they'll get calls from celebrities asking to do this privately. And they'll say, no, everybody does it with everybody else. And then they'll say, oh, I don't want to walk through it with everybody else and they won't come. And they said one he told me one celebrity who did come and walk through it with everybody else, who was so much fun and treated everybody great. And he asked us to guess, and we never guessed. It was Rob Zombie. All right? He said Rob Zombie came one time and took the tour with everybody else and was great. Ton of fun. Everybody really enjoyed it. So there you go. There's the spirit of Christmas for you. Even <laughs> Rob Zombie can't resist it. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.